Hey guys, you're listening to Perry Plugged In, the official podcast of the Perry Chamber of Commerce, brought to you by Wendy Johnson, Country Financial, helping you protect what matters most. I'm your host, Maggie Schuyler, President and CEO of the Perry Chamber. In each episode, we will be chatting about topics related to business, entrepreneurship, and leadership. We will learn how local business leaders and owners have built and grown their companies, as well as the challenges and opportunities they have met along the way. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe so that you'll be notified of new episodes when they become available. Don't forget to leave a review and share with your family, friends, and coworkers. Now, let's talk business. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Perry Plugged In. We're very excited to have Maggie Lane here with us today. Maggie, say hi. Hi. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're so excited. But before we really get started, I am going to give our little disclosure. We are in downtown Perry. So if you hear the occasional car, truck, horn, anything like that, it's because we are recording from our office located on Carroll Street. So Maggie, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Sure. My name is Maggie Dimes Lane, and I work at the Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri Center, and I currently handle their marketing and business development. Um, Prior to that, I worked at Sunmark Community Bank, a great community bank here in Perry and throughout Middle Georgia. Um, My background is in digital marketing and marketing, and I hold degrees in both. Um, I have a bachelor's in marketing from Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia, and then a digital marketing professional certificate from Georgia Tech. Awesome. So if y'all haven't already kind of guessed, we're going to be talking about marketing and branding. What is the difference between the two and how it works for businesses? So we thought Maggie would be perfect because for those of you who are familiar with Middle Georgia, uh, the Georgia National Fairgrounds is located just south of Perry, off of the Perry Parkway. And they host, of course, this little event every October. Just a little Just thing. tiny. Yeah. You know, um, every October. And that is the Georgia National Fair. But they are also the Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri Center. So they've got a marketing department. They have a whole marketing brand. Well, they do marketing, but then they also do branding. So we thought this would be perfect for them to talk about that. So Maggie, just off the cuff, what is the difference between marketing and branding from your perspective? They're two separate concepts, but they have to work in um, conjunction with one another. So a brand is um, something that you have, it's got multiple components. There's a lot of people think name, logo, uh, tagline, I've got my brand. There's so much more to a brand than just the stylized elements of it. It's also the way you're going to communicate with your customers through your advertisements, as well as your employees, how they communicate with your customers. So there's a voice um, and there's a personality. The more human you can make your brand, the more relatable it is to your customers and the more they're going to buy in to whatever you're selling. Um, A brand can be your competitive advantage in a marketplace. Think about someone like Louis Vuitton, who a purse manufacturer is a dime a dozen. Even high quality purse manufacturers are a dime a dozen. But that brand connotation that your customers have with it of perceived value, luxury, this is a status symbol for me is why so many people buy into it. Exclusivity. Exclusivity, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, It's also something that your 
you know, a lot of people are having issues with labor in, in this day and age. It's something your employees buy into as well. So a brand is an important component for your customers, but also for those that build your team. How do they view the company they work for? Is there a sense of pride mm-hmm. um, revolving around the brand you create? So when you are marketing, you are going to market with your brand in mind. And a brand makes it much more easier to market mm-hmm. because it's going to tell you, you know, copywriting. Well, what's my tone of voice? My brand tone of voice is sassy and funny. Okay, well, let me make sure that my copywriting on my advertisements is sassy and funny. What is my color theme? Pink, red, light pink, whatever. Make sure that you're building those components mm-hmm. into your marketing, into your advertisements. Right. Um, I don't know if that answered questions. No, that totally <laughs> does. Because, and this is one of the things I think that's interesting about a brand and marketing is you can have a brand and be one person. Mm-hmm. You can have a brand and work for a corporation that has hundreds of thousands of people. So a brand can, you know, I don't want ever anybody to get worried. Well, am I a brand? Is my business a brand? Any, you can brand yourself. You can brand your business. Um, and it's just going to depend on who you are, large, small, corporate, locally owned. Yes, you can have a brand. Definitely. And a brand should always be consistent. So when it's just you and it's a small business, it's a lot easier sometimes to keep mm-hmm. that consistency. Uh, it's more difficult as you grow because yes. you want to make sure that your all your teams mm-hmm. are operating under that same brand. All of your employees, the way they communicate with customers um, expresses that same brand. Think about Chick-fil-A and the way their staff from, you know, the line cook to the CEO um, interacts with their customers. My pleasure. Yes. That is, that's a brand right there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a tone of voice mm-hmm. and a personality they're giving of service um, that you take with you and keeps right. you loyal and keeps you engaged with the brand. Right. Um, I came, so, you know, I was in higher education for 15, 12, 15 years um, and we at the college that I worked at, we had a marketing plan, but we had a brand that we had to stick to. You know, it was a color, a logo, the your everything from your signature, like it was all part of the brand. Um, and we couldn't go rogue, you know, yeah. because it could mess up what had already been built and what was out there. So um, that's the thing about branding. And it can be, like you said, the little nitty gritty, everything from the font that you use mm-hmm. on your signature is part of your brand. Yeah. So um, I always think that's very interesting. But I like what you were saying, like what makes you unique in your brand and what is going to be your sense of style? Because that's going to set the tone for people, their brand before a customer ever engages with that business, right? Right, definitely. Um, you know, a brand can convey emotion and there's a uh, um, topic or a vocabulary term really you're probably very familiar with, which is your brand equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and brand, a lot of times, you can be uh, the marketing manager of a business, you can be the sole owner of a business, and you're saying, this is my brand. Well, if your customers are looking at you and saying, no, this is your brand, then that's actually your brand Mm -hmm. because your brand equity is how your actual customer base and your audience views you. Yes. So, um, yeah, you kind of have to listen to who your audience is and what they're saying about your brand. Yes. Um, And maybe that means you need to kind of pivot and be willing to pivot uh, Mm -hmm. with what your audience is looking for. I worked for... um, 
an organization one time and they were going through a rebranding and the marketing department pushed really hard for like a certain hashtag, you know, things like that. And they started noticing that the public was perceiving them with a completely different hashtag. Like anytime they talked about that organization, what the organization was putting out there was not what the customer base was receiving. They were doing something kind of different. So they did adjust slightly to kind of beat their customers because that was what was being put out there. And so they were like, well, we want to control that brand and, and things. So they, they did do that adjustment. But um, I think that's very interesting that the way people perceive you can help you build your brand. You can build your brand off of the way people perceive you. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's a it, brand is a living, breathing thing. Okay. So once you've set the, uh, you think you've made your brand guidelines and you've got your colors and your typography and you're like, Ooh, glad that's done. Let's get to selling products. No, a brand is, is constantly changing and you constantly need to be measuring like, is, is your message getting through how you'd like it to get through? Mm -hmm. Um, and you can do that through server surveys. Um, there's companies like net promoter score that will, um, do surveys on a large scale for you, just depending on the size of your business, what makes sense. Okay. That's good to know. So at the Georgia National Fairgrounds, what is y'all's brand? I'm just curious. So our tagline is uh, fun family tradition memories. And we're kind of pulling on nostalgia. Also, it's um, very wholesome brand. Mm -hmm. So we are constantly trying to push that messaging, a caring tone of voice, a nostalgic tone of voice, um, a trusting tone of voice. Uh, we, you know, we're all about leaving a legacy. So we want to be that landmark institution, especially for our audience, which we feel is the middle Georgia, South Georgia region mm -hmm. to kind of point to as a point of pride in Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most common you know, feedback I receive about the fair is we've been coming every single year. And yeah, well, I went as a little girl. Now I bring my kids every year. Mm -hmm. And that's an emotion. Um, and when they think of the fairgrounds, that's something they can they can conjure up in their mind is, is memories that were hopefully memories made with family, friends that involved yeah. uh, creating traditions or celebrating t traditions. And I can say I am one of those people. Um, I grew up growing up in Moultrie. The only thing I knew of Perry was the Georgia National Fair. We, you know, people would come up here and go to the Georgia National Fair. Um, and so that's how I always associated it. But then when I moved to Perry and going out to the fair and all the fun things that we got to do and all the memories and the laughing and the rides and the food, all that kind of stuff, um, coming back, I want to take Steve, I want to take my son out there. And at first, I don't think my husband really got it. <laughs> It was like, why, why do you like to go? I was like, cause it's so much fun and all the fun things. And even now it's January and Steve is still talking about the fair. Oh, good. He talks about the dragon, um, the dragon roller coaster. Like he yeah. still talks about those things. I have the pictures on my phone and he'll see it. And he's like, when do we go again? Like he, that's so I'm like, this is why. So the brand, what you're saying is what we, as your, as your customer base, are seeing, or at least that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. So. And so that's a brand that we communicate, whether it's January and we're eight, nine months away from fair time or smack dab in the middle of the fair. Mm -hmm. But to your point, we also are advertising and marketing very specific events. Um, those who are really familiar with the fairgrounds will know that we host three events ourselves. We're an event venue facility, so people mm -hmm. run us out all the time. But our events that we promote are 
the Georgia National Rodeo, which is a little plug for that. It's coming up at the end of February. February. And it's so much fun. I, we've, we literally go to the rodeo every year. It's Love awesome. It. And again, that is the so much fun. family fun traditions, mm-hmm. memories that we're creating. Yes. Um, and then we'll have that coming up. But then we also have the fair time in October. We also have the Georgia National Antique Ag Show, which is held in November. Mm-hmm. And that'll be our fourth annual this year. So... My fair audience is not necessarily my rodeo audience. Right. Vice versa. Um, For me, marketing and doing it effectively is know your audience, know your audience, know your audience. Mm -hmm. You know, like a realtor is location, location, location. Right. Like a marketer is audience, audience, audience. Mm -hmm. So um, my fair audience to me is far more diverse. In fact, I would definitely categorize them into these are my college students. These are my families. Um, these are my folks who are interested in agriculture and you know more of the show side of things. And I would create campaigns, three different campaigns to, and I would use three different channels yes. um, to market to those groups. Mm-hmm. Rodeo, um, I've been doing research on that uh, the past couple months because it's a demographic that I love the rodeo. I go every year. So there are those different types of audiences who go because, hey, it's something fun. I live within 60 miles of the fairgrounds. Let's do it. Get to wear my cowboy boots. Exactly. And, yeah, it's like, well, yeah. Be a little country yeah, girl. Be a little country girl for, yeah. for a night. Yeah. There's also people who are wanting to go because they are hardcore rodeo fanatics. Yes. And they'll travel from farther distances away. And their interest really is livestock rodeo. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to create the same message or use the same channels for both of those individuals. Correct. So when you think marketing, think your audience, think what is their motivation for attending? Mm -hmm. Um, Where are they? Are they on Facebook or are they on Twitter? Uh, can you catch them reading a newspaper? Uh, are they going to be on traditional cable or are they going to be streaming? Mm-hmm. Then think about the message and put them on those channels. Um, so I, I don't know if that's how uh, just a marketing yeah. brain or if that makes sense. But no, that's, that is a marketing, but you have to think about when you're creating a marketing plan, because mm-hmm. we have a marketing plan here at, yeah. at the chamber. When you think about a marketing plan, you've got to think about who are you speaking to, and you can put out multiple messages, and when you put out those multiple messages, it's going to reach a variety of different people, and it doesn't mean that you can't put out a message on a Monday or a Tuesday for a certain demographic and not put out another message on a Thursday and Friday for a different demographic, because if you ever watch tv or if you do stream you'll catch it at different times right and you're going to hit those different audiences um so i think that is the thing that you do have to think about when you are marketing and i think it's funny because like our brand here at the chamber is we grow business and we grow community that's that's what we do and that's our brand and that's the message that we put out there but we have a wide range of businesses that we do business with we have corporate and we have local we have large we have small so all of our messages on all of our mediums are also very very different but they're all that same goal that to try to bring people to the chamber and to to invest in us and believe in us and our brand. So anybody can do it. You just have to figure out what is going to be the avenue for you. Um, what are some things, you know, being in marketing that when you see somebody do, it kind of makes you twinge a little bit. Like, should they really have done that? Or that may not have been the best avenue. Like, is there anything that you can think of? I, cause I, 
I went to college for public, I mean, for broadcasting. And I pick up whenever I watch people do public speaking, I pick up on all the little things that I'm like, ooh, they probably shouldn't have done that. So what are some things that you can think of? Or can you think of anything? One thing that does drive me crazy is not having your an owned platform. For most people, that means a website. So many businesses have a Facebook page, um, but yeah. they have no website. That drives me bonkers. It drives me crazy <laughs> because in marketing, um, you're taught the value and importance and necessity of having your own networks because Facebook mm -hmm. is not yours. And to, you could have a hundred billion followers. If you don't have a website and Facebook decides we're shutting down, you've just lost every single one of your and, communication and channels. And Facebook does shut down, remember? Yep. <laughs> when yep. Facebook shut down. What's so funny is that day that that happened, we didn't realize what was going on. We honestly here at the chamber just thought the internet was down because we were working on so many other things because we have a website. Um, but I thought about that. What about, what do the people do that all they do is social media? Yes, exactly. All they the people lose handled, all those customers. Yes. And, and people who only communicate, you know, via messaging on Facebook, like mm -hmm. all of that is not yours and at any point can be taken away. So there's a lot of resources out there. People would be surprised how simple it is with Squarespace, WordPress mm -hmm. to either build a site yourself and manage it or for a relatively small fee, have a company manage it. It's mm -hmm. attainable for every business. And honestly, in the long run, it could cost you a lot more not having and investing in a website yes. and own space. Yes. So, and when you say you don't own Facebook, yes, it's a nice platform that you don't have to pay for, but if it were to go away tomorrow, what are you going to do? How are you going to market? How are you going to build your customer base? You know, I think from you know, the business plan, you've got your prospects, you've got your, and you know, then you've got, you've got your funnel basically. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to bring that funnel down to people actually investing and doing business with you, whether they're purchasing a good or they're coming to your location, whatever it may be, the business that you're in, you got to think about that funnel. Right. So if, one of the aspects of that funnel goes away, what are you going to do? Yeah. If you only have one bridge from, from the customer <laughs> yes. aware of your product to making a purchase and that's yes. Facebook and it goes away. What the chamber does so well is, uh, your owned networks, your email, um, mm -hmm. that you send out to all of your members yes. keeps everyone very engaged, very informed of what's going on. Um, and that's, part of the perceived value people have with the chamber is knowing updates of ribbon cuttings, new businesses coming to town, yep. new functions, networking events. Um, so y'all do that very well. Well, thank you. Yes. No, <laughs> y'all deserve a lot of praise. <laughs> we, and here we do have, cause we have, like I said earlier, so many different businesses that we do business with. We've got corporate America locally owned, you know, our corporations can have hundreds of thousands and then some of our locally owned can have one or two. So we, we do try to reach out to different people in different ways. We have a weekly newsletter goes out every single Monday. Um, and I do believe here recently we've looked at some of our stats. We have about a 40 to 45% open rate, which is good for a newsletter. That's very good. Emails can be overwhelming and some people can just get them and skim them and go on. And some people just like, uh, don't want to and, and delete it before they even open it. So to have a 40 to 45% open, that's, that's open rate. That's pretty good. Um, but we, the message and the, and the marketing on our newsletter is different than what we put out on social media. 
Our Facebook is slightly different than our Instagram because Facebook and Instagram have different demographics. Yep. Um, I was just looking at some podcast information just yesterday, and it, I always perceived that people who are going to listen to a podcast are going to be in that 18 to like 35 age range. The majority of the people so far that have listened to our to our podcast have been 40 to 60. I'm like, really? So that's something I had no idea. So I'm like, maybe we should change up how we market and how we do because of the those statistics and that uh, the analysis of what we're putting out there. A hundred percent. Going back to your audience, you can mm-hmm. think your audience or your brand is this thing. Maybe it was hip, young, tech savvy, millennial, and people are saying, no, this is for the working man who right. uh, isn't that tech savvy, but would like to learn more, become more business savvy, whatever that right. may be. And then you pivot to be able to attract more of those listeners. Correct. Um, yeah, y'all with the podcast, I mean, this is another way we talked about the funnel. Yes. Uh, I'm all about a funnel. I love a funnel. I love a funnel. If you don't, if you don't know what a funnel is, you can literally go to Google and type in marketing funnel and you'll kind of see what we're talking about. You've got, you have this big, think of a funnel. It starts out large. So this is your big population of everybody out there that you're trying to talk to. And then every step of the funnel is a different level of a prospective customer. And the point of it is to try to eventually get this big, large population to invest in your business, come to your events, come and purchase your goods, your items, whatever is, whatever is to make that final close. So you got to think about the funnel. Always think about the funnel. Absolutely. It takes you from awareness and there's a million different funnels, but the basic gist is exactly what Maggie said. And you're going to first let them be aware of your brand Mm -hmm. and you're going to use different tactics and strategies to make them just know that you exist as a company. And you're going to take them toward the interest stage where they're learning a little bit more about your product or service consideration. Now they're actually maybe speaking to past customers, looking at testimonials. I'm really interested to the purchase stage or to the conversion stage Mm -hmm. called the conversion funnel um, where they're actually buying whatever you're selling product service. Yes. And then there is the, if you go further into the uh, funnel, it's advocacy, loyalty, repurchasing, becoming a dedicated Mm -hmm. customer to your brand. So we lived and breathed the funnel at the in higher education. You know, I was in admissions, so we were the front facing. We were oftentimes the the first people that you would ever, when you see a student at, on a, at a college campus, you go on a campus tour. Your first impression of that institution. So we had the funnel. You had three funnels. You had the prospective student funnel, students coming to a campus tour or going to your website. Um, things like that. Then you had the applicant funnel, people that actually went from a prospect to an applicant. They thought enough of our institution that I want to apply. And then you had the accept funnel. Okay, these students applied. They met our criteria. They accepted. So they're obviously super interested. Then we had the enrollment funnel where we made them an accepted student to getting them enrolled. But then that next step was a student who actually came back the next semester and attended classes. So you have those different funnels um, so you just have to think about it for your business. What what does your funnel look like? The funnel at the Georgia National Fairgrounds is going to look very different than a boutique here on Carroll Street in downtown Perry. That, but there's always a funnel. Absolutely. Always. Always a funnel. And that kind of shows you, we talked about audiences and different messages for each audience. One audience could be someone who knows nothing about your 
company or your product or your business, but you've already perceived that they have, they share characteristics with your current audience. They call Mm -hmm. this like a lookalike audience, someone that isn't in your audience, but could be and has all the characteristics of someone that might be interested in your product. It's a place that you want to be in. Exactly. So for you talking about admissions, that would be um, students who have not applied, have not had a campus tour, have had zero interaction with your school, but maybe geographically reside in the areas many of your students come from. Okay, so let's get our message. Let's, Let's give them one message that shows them. And a lot of times think about an SEC football game commercial where they're like, University of... Tennessee, where yes. you learn, you know, that is. <laughs> and everybody, I mean, even if you're not an SEC sports, I mean, football fan, which, you know, we're recording this, by the way, on January 6th, the national championship. <laughs> so is it's all we can think about. Yeah, it's just coming up in a couple of days. But, you know, you think about if you even just watch any kind of sports, anything, you're a, a baseball fan, a hockey fan, whatever, they're going to advertise that, um, that, that sports team or whatever so that you can see yourself being that fan or going to that place. You know, I'm going to, let's think about, let's think about, uh, do you watch Yellowstone? Yes. I got dressed today inspired (laughs) by Beth Dutton. I I was like, I'm trying to have a Beth Dutton vibe today. I love Yellowstone. I do too. Absolutely love it. Well, my husband and I were watching Yellowstone, the season finale. And it's these beautiful snow-capped mountains out in, you know, and you're just like, and Josh looks at me, that's my husband, and he says, all right, well, Steve one day could be, and I don't even remember the name of the the, team, the sports team's mascot. He could be whatever this mascot is, so he can go play football, and we can buy, and I'm looking at him like, wait, what? <gasps> but he remembers, and he knows that brand because, I mean, that's his thing. He's a football coach. But he knows that brand. He knows that feeling that you would get and that atmosphere that you would be in if you went and invested in that team or you became that fan. So that's that feeling. That's, yeah. yeah. The feeling that you have about You want to bring those people from the, from South Georgia all the way out out there to go and, and be invested in them. So that's, yeah, we're the part of that demographic. Right. And, and so, you know, kind of going back to that would be an awareness tactic. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a different marketing tactic for that student that's already toured the campus. Right. Maybe that is a retargeting campaign via email. You're mm-hmm. keeping them engaged like the chamber does so well. Um, you know, with a call to action, yes. every tactic needs a call to action. What are you asking your market to do, your target audience to do? Mm-hmm. And that's um, apply now. Yeah. Did you enjoy your tour? Give us feedback on your tour. Let's take a survey on how we could have improved that tour. Uh-huh. What was your favorite part of the tour? Uh, take a picture of you from the tour with this hashtag. Yes. This is all things that you can do to keep the engagement and then, you know, have another tactic mm-hmm. for those that have applied and now they're considering actually attending yeah. the university. Now, and one, I, I, I love, I like marketing. I love all of this part. This is something I, I enjoy because I like to watch people and figure out how exactly does all this work together. I've even heard of businesses like boutiques or stores, online people, um, sorry, a boutique that has an online store but may even has, also have a website and how they can market to those different customers and how they can trace the customer's who have viewed their website, maybe even put an item in their cart, but didn't check out, and how they can go back and remarket themselves to that customer. I know it happens to me. 
I mean, we were just yesterday looking at some awards, uh, getting some awards for some stuff we've got coming up, and I put some stuff in my cart, and this morning I get to work, and I get an email from that company, you left items in your cart, and that's that retargeting, that remarketing to try to get me as the customer back engaged in that business. Yeah, it's so effective. It is. if you were to kind of study the results from how... uh, retargeting campaigns perform against non-retargeting campaigns, the click-through rates and the conversion rates are triple because you've already identified someone who's interested in your product. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at it from a digital sense, but you can very easily look at it from a walk-in boutique sense. Every time you make a purchase, sign up for my text plan or enter to win this. Even if you're not going to make a purchase today, hey, we're doing a raffle. And all we need is your phone number and your email address. Yeah. And uh, you can enter to win this raffle. Well, that's ways of first building an own network that you can then retarget. Retarget. Retarget through the phone. And some boutiques in the area do a great job of retargeting. Yeah, They do. I mean, how many times do you go into a store, and I know some of them here in, in our Perry area, you go into a store and you do check out. Maybe you're just buying hair ties. But when you check out, they ask you for your email address. That way you are on their customer list and you can get those emails. Um, and they, some of them actually may even have what we call geotracing. So if you do give them your emails, even if you opted out of their emails, you're still within their target. So if you're searching a Google or you're on social media, you'll get those little marketing plugs for that business because you're in their vicinity, you're in their geotracing area. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very interesting too. That's one thing that I feel like sometimes small business owners especially might feel is out of reach is digital marketing or maybe mm-hmm. a little too complex, but it's worth kind of trying to sort that out because it's really not as difficult as you think. A lot of it can be managed pretty inexpensively um, by yourself or even there's people locally who offer that service. So you don't have to work with some huge media conglomerate to be able to invest in digital marketing services. Um, But another way, if we're talking to a lot of local businesses, which Mm -hmm. we do, we could all think of five businesses off the top of our head that we know just because of their engagement in the community through sponsorships. Yes. Um, I mean, several come to my mind. So it doesn't always have to be digital. Think about sponsorships. They're great for brand awareness. They are amazing for brand awareness. And that is one of the things that we hear at the Chamber we are always trying to think about the best return on investment. Like if somebody is investing in us and they're investing in, a, in an event, how are they going to get the most bang for their book? Because I know being this, you know, the president and CEO, I want to get the my return on investment, anything, whatever I, I'm doing. So I want our businesses to as well. Um, and one of the things like we're already starting to work on the Dogwood Festival. We've got Taste of Perry coming up already. I mean, we're already thinking about that as well. You know, T-shirts and koozies are a very easy way for a business to invest in an event and they put their logo on a T-shirt or on a koozie. Think about how many T-shirts you still have from college and previous things that you, previous events you went to or whatnot, and that business's logo is still on that T-shirt and it's walking around town. 
You're, somebody will see you wearing that T-shirt at the grocery store when you're going in to buy a gallon of milk. Absolutely. It's a living, walking, breathing app. Exactly. And I have koozies from college. <laughs> I have, still have, I have logos. too many koozies they still above have, my but People love koozies. Yeah. So you think about that. I mean, that's a, your brand is right there. I mean, yeah. that's, that's easy marketing. And that's not a lot of, of an investment because depending on what the event is, it can have different investment amounts. Absolutely. I'll run a scenario of what I've been wanting to do uh, with the fairgrounds and something we haven't used as an advertising channel before is becoming a sponsor at the Dogwood Festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, My thinking, the Dogwood Festival takes place a little over a month before, I guess I'm going to drop the news, we are having Maydays on the (laughs) Midway uh, this year. And so my thought is, who's my audience? Local people who like live events, who like uh, festivals. Mm-hmm. Oh, every single person attending the Perry Dogwood Festival. Yeah. What better audience that is interested, or I believe would be interested in my product of Maydays on the Midway, um, to get in front of? Mm-hmm. So we want to sponsor a booth. We want to be able to uh, have a QR code for people to learn more information. We want to hand out information about Maydays on the Midway, encourage social sharing of pictures about Maydays on the yes. Midway. Um, and, and that's a value to me. So a lot of times yeah. businesses think, here's another sponsorship, aka donation. Actually, it's it's a you know tax write-offable advertising that right. you're doing. And that's a good way to look at it. Right. And we, I mean, that's one of the things that, like I said, here at the chamber, we actually look at our businesses. What is going to be the best for this business? Who is their audience? I know that they're already marketing. I know they've got a website. I know they've got social media. But what is something else that we can do to help them get in front of people that they may not already be targeting to? Um, and the Georgia National Fairgrounds, that is, I mean, that's a perfect example. In April, when we have our Dogwood Festival, which is April 9th and 10th, that is literally a month before um, May Days. And if it's beautiful weather in April, it that gets people excited. They want to keep going out and doing other things. What's the next thing I can do? Well, you can come out to Georgia National Fairgrounds because we've got this just this time next month. Come out and see us. Absolutely. And it's so important for every business to identify. It, every sponsorship doesn't make sense for every business. Correct. No, but it doesn't. if you believe that this event that you could sponsor gets you in front of your audience, it's probably a worthwhile mm-hmm. investment. Think about all the people that sponsor our livestock shows at the fairgrounds. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to think of some silly brand it wouldn't be. It's not Sephora. Sephora is not like, we want to get in front of the people at the pig shows. No, that makes no sense. <laughs> Probably doesn't exactly. make a lot of sense. But do we have I mean, I know there is that phrase, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig, <laughs> but you know that Sephora is not going to be. Exactly. Yeah. But we have Georgia Farm Bureau is mm-hmm. a great supporter of ours. Ag Georgia. Ag Georgia, Godfrey's Feet, yes. Blue Ribbon Show Supply, all of these brands that it makes sense for them to be marketing to this audience it does it does and one of the things you know i have people who will tell me just in conversation um you know i'm gonna put my little plug for the perry chamber well i don't need to join the chamber because i already know everybody in your community anyway but that's not necessarily always true because here at the chamber we've got members from fort valley we've got on macon hawkinsville marshallville you know, we've got members all over the place and 
you may not know those people in those communities, but they would really maybe want to know more about you and your business. So when people join the chamber and then we give them these in, we, you know, sponsorship opportunities to invest in an event so that we can help invest in them, we're just trying to help you get your name out to people that you don't even know that you need. It's that, and that's that funnel that we were just talking about earlier. That's that huge population that somebody may get more information about you and they didn't even know they knew that they needed you. Yeah. And that any, they needed your business. Anybody who says, I know everyone here, is crazy. We are a town of uh, an and, Air Force base, first of all. And we're growing. <laughs> and we're growing at a crazy rate. Which is awesome. We love that. But So you don't. And one thing that y'all do provide is amazing networking opportunities as well. Which is another way to market. When yes. you market... You are not also you're not only marketing your uh, your business. You are also marketing yourself. So people, we always like to say in the chamber world, people like to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Yes. And so when you are marketing, that's your, their brand. That's their you brand. You built a brand you that built people your brand. know, like, and trust. Yeah. Um, we want people to come in and meet the business, but they also want to meet the individual so that they are going to like you and want to come and do business with you. Yes. Relationship I mean, is everything. Relationship is everything. At the very least, it gets your foot in the door. If you are in business-to-business business sales and you're not a part of your local chamber, I'm sure most people are listening to this are local. If you're not a part of the Perry Chamber, um, <laughs> join us. <laughs> you're crazy. You're yeah. just crazy because relationship marketing, network marketing is so important when you're, you know, trying to facilitate sales mm-hmm. of your product or service with other businesses. And thinking, think back to COVID. I mean, when we all had to go in and pretty much quarantine and so much shut down, those individuals that were in that sales marketing to marketing in your face type of um, business, they hit us. I mean, they hit a brick wall. They didn't know what to do. And so it did make them think outside the box to get on a little bit more of the digital. But even now, it hasn't completely gone away. And people that only focused on the digital and I can, I can attest to some of these people that I know in some of these businesses, they were solely digitally based when the world started opening back up again and people wanted to get out and they wanted to go and shop and they wanted to go out to eat and they wanted to do business with people. Those digital businesses went, I mean, they just plummeted. Not that they're completely gone, but their interests declined significantly. Yeah, you have to be willing to meet your audience yes. where they're at. Yes. And that is not consistent. That it's can change, consistent. especially when you're looking at life-changing global events oh like gosh. the COVID pandemic. Uh, well, no one could have prepared for that. Nobody but. could have, you know, nobody could have <laughs> prepared for that. We were all trying to figure it out as we were going. So what do you think, and this is kind of one of those, like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Which comes first, marketing or branding? <laughs> can I say what comes first is market research, uh, analyzing your product, analyzing mm-hmm. where you want your brand to be called brand positioning. Okay. So I would say you need to know your audience and you need to know what you want your audience to think about you first. So branding would lead to kind of the first, I guess you'll use branding to help stylize all your marketing. So I will okay. say branding comes first, but I will say before branding, is knowing your audience and knowing, and knowing who who you want to be. Do right. you want to be Chipotle? Do you want to be Taco Bell? You, like that's something you need to think about. Like, mm-hmm. am I uh, low cost uh, but barely convenient? Am I high quality but expensive? Know what your product is. Know where you want to fall and how you want people to perceive you. Right. Um, 
and know your area too. Yeah. Like if you're going to open a storefront, like a brick and mortar, or are you going to be an online, or are you going to be a combination of both where you have a store and you have online, which again, you, if you've already heard us say, you need to have both. Um, you need to have some, you have to have a website. Are you going to be a pop-up shop? Like what is your area? And that also, who are you going to market to in that area? Because I mean, I came from, I lived in Perry, moved to Atlanta, came back. Atlanta, the Atlanta area is very different than the Perry area. What you can do in Atlanta, you can't necessarily do in Perry, but what you can do in Perry, you can't necessarily do in Atlanta. So you got to think about those. Um, heck, you can even just think up the road. What you can do in Perry, you may not be able to do in Macon, but what you do in Macon, you may not be able to do in Perry. So you got to think about those things as well. Right, And the more specific you can market to your audience, the better your results are going to be. Right. A woman's clothing boutique could say, oh, any women. But that's not the case. There's some boutiques in the area who I feel like they are, you know, 16 to 25 is really the core market. They've got a lot of great pieces for them. So they need to be marketing to high schoolers and mothers of high school daughters. Does that mean you sponsor a local cheer competition? Maybe. Mm -hmm. There's other boutiques who I would say, no, we're really looking for people who are 30 plus. Um, higher socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. And so then you think, okay, well, what channels are they using? Yes. Um, you know, are they influencer driven? Do I really need to make sure I'm on Instagram and other social media channels like mm-hmm. that? So, which is kind of funny because, you know, Instagram and Facebook are completely two different types of social media platforms. You just said it, Instagram is more of like the influencer. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook is, it, which has, this is a, a really good example. Facebook has evolved significantly since it was first created. Think about Mark Zuckerberg and how much he has evolved. (laughs) That's true. Um, But think about how much he has evolved over these years, over the years and how he has marketed and branded Facebook significantly over the years, depending on his demographic and who, who is following and who's participating in his business. Oh yeah. I mean, can't stay relevant that long without the flexibility he's shown. Think of MySpace or for gosh, I know. Exenga. Am I saying something anybody knows about? I remember that. Yep. (laughs) Okay. I don't remember. What was that? It was like the pre MySpace MySpace. Oh yeah. Yeah, You can like add music. Well, no, you could do that. that You could do that on MySpace. You could do that on MySpace. I remember, I mean, I think somewhere, I think MySpace still might somewhat exist out there somewhere. Um, I think if you remembered your username and password, you probably could log in. Oh my God, Tom's probably still my friend. <laughs> it's still, I think they made it more of a music thing. Did now. they yeah. really? Um, <clears throat> but you know, but Facebook back in the day, I mean, I had Facebook in college when it was literally just college students. And when I graduated and moved to Perry, that's when Facebook was starting to evolve from the college students to the to just about anybody, and they were just introducing pages. And I remember mentioning at the time to when I was at the chamber, hey, we need to look at this thing called Facebook. And loved my boss. I mean, my boss was great, and she was very open-minded. But I remember saying, that's not going to be for us. And then five, six years later... It really did become this. I just remember thinking, you've got to be open-minded yes. when it comes to marketing and branding and not be scared to try something. Think yes. about it, the amount of people that are using TikTok for their business to help market and brand themselves to bring customers to them. 
Think about the amount of 12-year-olds making six figures a month because of TikTok. I mean, that's a reality nowadays. When I was 12, I was excited to babysit and make a couple, just a little bit of extra money to go to the Dairy Queen. Like, I can't, but yeah, you've got, uh, I'm going to date, is it it her name, JoJo? Yeah. Like, she has, I mean, she started when, when did she really hit big? When she was like 12? Yeah. She was, well, she was the, on the Dance Moms show, oh. I believe, and she kind of gained a following from there, but then she transitioned to, like, YouTube. And, and it's, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, my staff is trying to get me to do TikToks. I think I've only done two. <laughs> because, like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can do TikToks. I laugh more at myself because I'm like, this is so awkward. But you think about the amount of people that are using it. Right creating reels and TikToks and how it's helping impact their business. Absolutely. And every business doesn't have to have a TikTok no, account. Not say, I'm not saying that no. we need to see, and I'm going to just use it because you used to work. I'm not saying we need to see Brad Collins, <laughs> president of Sunmark, um, well, doing a TikTok, no. which if he did, it would be, it would be great because it, it's Brad and you, it kind of shows him in a different light, but not everybody needs to do that. Exactly. But if you are, if your audience is 12 to 16 year olds yeah. and you want to make something, you want to make your product aware to them. Something's cool that maybe yeah. even if they can't buy it, they can annoy the heck out of mom and dad. So they buy it for them. You better be on TikTok, you know? Yes. So know your, know your audience, know, your know audience. the channels they use. Mm-hmm. Marketing. If I'm trying to do like a synopsis, uh, marketing funnel. I feel like we went over a lot. We people have gone over like, a lot. This is marketing word vomit right now. Yes. But. People are, I know I really don't want people to be overwhelmed. Marketing. You don't have to do everything at one time. That's another thing I've, I have learned over the years. Just because it's the trend doesn't mean it's something that you have to do right now. Maybe if you find your niche and you know what's working for you, just improve that niche and that medium as best as you can and then slowly introduce the other things and yes. get comfortable with them and then you can evolve over time. But I see people sometimes try way too much. Like they try everything all at once. Like you said, you know, marketing vomit. They'll literally will put themselves out on every little thing and it's hard to control those things. And then, and then it's not consistent. It's not consistent. Probably not adhering to your brand standards or guidelines when you're trying to do everything. Yeah. Pick something you do well. And again, it doesn't have to be digital or social. Maybe you are a furniture store and most of your new customers are a referral business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me really put my resources into that. How can I create a better referral program? What can I do to invest in that? And see how that works and focus on that. And maybe a year down the road, okay, well, let me do a different strategy. I really feel like I've got a great referral program going Mm -hmm. on. But uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be everything. And, you know, the old, I mean, the old school sending something hard copy in the mail has not lost its luster at all. No. That is kind of one of those, almost those dying arts that people aren't doing as much of anymore. So if you go back and you start doing that again, you're putting yourself in front of people that others are not putting themselves in front of. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I had, I was just kind of consulting with someone that was asking my opinion. I don't just go around giving my opinion. I don't think all that, but (laughs) he was saying how he has this event coming up and he thinks that he just wants to do social. He just wants to keep it on social. It's cheaper. He'll reach a bunch of people. And I said, I hear you, but I think your audience that would be interested in the event you're selling is probably less tech savvy. 
I think they're probably a little bit yeah. older. And I know social can be cheaper, especially doing things organically. But I think it might be worthwhile to spend some money on radio advertising on your local country stations. Right. Or even running, you know, a commercial campaign on some of our local news stations. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it can be easy to think, oh, there's digital. I can just do Facebook nowadays. That's not what your audience is. Right. It's not going to matter. And you kind of brought that back to just because it's cheaper doesn't always mean it's the most effective. Right. You know, that old saying, you sometimes got to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. You sometimes have to spend some money to make some money um, because you, you want to make an impact. And if that means you have to spend a little bit of money, you can budget it out. I mean, you know, work within your budget. If you know you've only got a certain amount of money, then then work within that budget. I mean, we say that here at the chamber when people say, well, I just don't know if I can invest in that. I don't know if I can spend that kind of money. Then on the flip side, I can say, well, tell me what your budget is. What are you comfortable with? And let's see what we can do. Yeah. And marketing gets a bad rap sometimes, especially yes. in the C-suite, because they're like, I see all this money going out, but... I don't uh, really see it coming in. Exactly. Especially if you're using traditional marketing, which I'm thinking billboards or TV commercials, it is hard to directly translate the value you spent on that commercial to a purchase made of your product or Correct. service. So sometimes marketing, you know, it's kind of like an eye roll, like, oh, there's the fun Facebook girl, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, there's a lot of value there. And if you are a marketing manager listening to this, I think it's it's really important to be able to translate that value to um, your director, your boss. Yes. So one way to do that is to invest in digital because the ROI is really easy to translate and measure. Um, but to kind of sell your point. And that can be done through creating really thought out marketing plans and yes. using words like brand equity. Yes. So uh, <laughs> you can do things like that and you can really sell your point and show how important marketing is. Yes. And by the way, if y'all don't know what ROI is, because I, I use a lot of acronyms, I'm really bad about it, but an ROI is a return on investment. So just FYI, in case anybody does want to know, yes. um, you know, you mentioned billboards and I know some people, you know, will say, well, that's not, I, that's just, I'm not going to see the value in that. You think about where we are now, people are traveling more. They're getting out a little bit more. Um, I knew people during quarantine who got an RV and just drove and went out and, you know, experienced the United States. So sometimes think about are those people that are on I-75 or who are driving around your town, maybe coming coming from Moultrie, being from a small town. When I was growing up, we didn't have as much in Moultrie. We would go to Valdosta or um, sometimes Tifton, Thomasville, even Tallahassee to go and do the things that we needed to do. So you think about some of these smaller rural communities who come into your town Think about the traffic that's coming in. Is there any way that you could advertise to the traffic coming in? And that's another way is through billboards. It's not a lost art. You would just have to see if that would be for your customer base. Right. And then, you know, what is your strategy with that billboard? McDonald's is, you know, wanting to tell you, they were wanting to make you consider, we talk about that funnel, consider us. We're right off this exit. Yes. You, you already know our brand. We're aware. You've already yeah. probably, if you're looking at this, you're interested in our product, whatever. So it makes sense for them to do a consideration billboard. I know when I was with Sunmark, we did some billboards and I had to say, people don't care about banking. 
They just don't. Unless you need a bank, unless yeah. you're in the market for a new bank, you're starting a business, you want a small business loan, something like that. Th- th- then they're really interested in it. Yeah. But overall, it's not like a fun TikTok video or Facebook right. post to say, save 0.2% AYRP on your whatever. <laughs> So for us, it was all about brand awareness and just generating brand awareness. So we're not selling a specific product, not a specific car loan, but uh, we want you to know, hey, we're in this community. Well, and for us, with the Dogwood Festival coming up, talk about like a billboard. I'm not going to put a billboard out on I-75 promoting the Perry Chamber. Join the Perry Chamber to enhance your business or grow your business. That's not going to be my audience. Now, Dogwood Festival coming up April 9th and 10th. That would be my audience, and this would be the prime time to put a billboard out on I-75 for those people that are coming to the rodeo in February or people that are going south and are stopping at Bucky's. You know, they'll see that billboard and say, ooh, a Dogwood Festival is happening in April. Maybe if I'm coming back or put that on my calendar, I could come back to that community to do that. That's going to be my my audience. Absolutely. So it's not the chamber promoting the chamber business to business members. It's an event that the Perry Chamber is going to be hosting. Which brings us back full circle to yes. Georgia National Fairgrounds. Exactly. Who, you know, there's a different events that we're marketing mm-hmm. and you market them to different people, but you have to maintain the consistency, the of, consistency your of your the brand the entire time. Yes. Yeah, so like we would still have our logo, our colors, our fonts, all those things would still be out there. But um, we would be branding the event to market people to come to our community. And the same thing what Georgia National Fairgrounds and AgriCenter do. Yeah. So, but, well, I think we could sit here and probably talk a lot <laughs> more about marketing and branding. But um, I think this is a great, I mean, this has been some really great information. And Maggie, can you think of anything more that you would want someone to know about the difference between branding and marketing, maybe a quick do or don't, or a quick little snippet before we close it out today? I will say, I'll just kind of repeat what I've been saying, which starts with doing your research to understand your audience, to develop a brand that will have merit and speak to your audience, to then use to keep your marketing, your tone of voice, your brand personality consistent and then think of your audience with everything you do before every marketing dollar is spent think of your audience all right so on that note I think I've talked way too much so (laughs) but it's been it's a great topic and like I said we could probably still keep talking about it but Mm. um we do appreciate you Maggie coming appreciate you thanks so much for for joining us today and um we appreciate you taking time from all of the busy work that y'all are doing out at the Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri Center we truly appreciate you I appreciate y'all hosting this. So thank you. Thanks, Maggie. This episode was brought to you by Country Financial, Wendy Johnson. You need insurance to help protect the things that mean a lot to you. You need coverage that's affordable because we all have a budget. At Country Financial, we get it. For close to 100 years, we've offered insurance and financial services to help protect what's most important to you and help you prepare for the future. Best of all, We aim to get to know you and find solutions for your budget. In other words, we've got your back. Call Wendy Johnson, your country financial representative at 478-333-2364 to chat about your insurance needs today.
At Country Financial, we're more than just an office you may pass by as you drive through town. We're a part of our community and help support the programs that make our neighborhoods thrive. We take the time to get to know our clients. We know that every situation is unique and our goal is to understand yours so we can help you be confident about your financial security and your future. Call your local Country Financial Representative, Wendy Johnson, today at 478-333-2364 to talk about how we can help ensure the future you're dreaming of is something you can proudly own no matter what it looks like.